Today on Cyberbytes, the podcast, I welcome Bill Moore, founder and CEO of Zona Systems. Bill and his team are revolutionizing secure remote access for OT and ICS systems. It was a pleasure to talk with Bill following some big wins. I'm Oliver Legg, co-founder of Asperon Search. Enjoy the show. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome Bill Moore, the founder and CEO of Zona Systems. How's it going, Bill? Uh, it's going great, Oliver. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. I uh, yeah, we bumped into each other at a, a next year of breakfast uh, at RSA, so uh, good to catch up virtually as well. Um, where uh, where in the states are you at the moment? Uh, Annapolis, Maryland. So we're we're headquartered uh, on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Seems to be a, a security and a, an OT hub up in a, that corner of the states at the moment. Yeah, yeah, obviously, uh, intelligence agencies in, in Maryland and Virginia is right up the road from us, uh, from headquarters, we're, you know, within 30 minutes of that, yeah. Yeah, well, right place to be. Well, for anyone in the audience that hasn't heard of Sona Systems um, and isn't aware of, of you, if you could give a, a bit of an introduction into who you guys are and the the, the, the problem you're solving. Sure. Yeah. So, well, I'm Bill Moore, so I'm founder and uh, CEO of Zona. Uh, founded uh, Zona about six years ago. Um, we provide a very simple and secure, uh, we sometimes use the word zero trust, but it's a holistic way of looking at zero trust, a remote operations platform. So we enable the ability to access critical systems from anywhere. Uh, and doing it, do it in a way where we don't uh, expose those critical systems to the internet or even to, in some cases, the IT network if it's uh, not not needed. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, OT security seems to be an interesting place at the moment because there, there seems to be more and more firms being founded to solve kind of more and newer and more niche problems in the OT security space. So how are you kind of comparing to some of the other bigger, more established names out there? And how do you either compete against them or how do you work with them? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, Oliver. Yeah, so when I look at kind of remote access, secure remote access, remote operations and so forth, um, you know, you first have to kind of look at what has been done in IT over the last two decades, right? So for the last... 20 plus years, there have been a number of technologies that have come out to secure uh, remote access, uh, including VPNs, uh, VDI, uh, there's application jump servers, you have secure file transfer, uh, multi-factor authentication. So all of these technologies have been bolted on over the, over the last many years. So there's a lot of technology debt and this has served um, pretty well. In sort of the IT enterprise where you have economies of scale and you have lots of users, hundreds, maybe thousands of users, hundreds of applications, sometimes thousands of applications. So um, you can kind of have all of that big infrastructure, but in OT, it's kind of the opposite. The, the digital transformation and the digital edge is expanding. There are more digital assets um, at the edge. So you need to have a much lighter weight, a much simpler approach, and a more secure approach, uh, frankly, to providing uh, remote operations for, for folks in the field. And uh, unlike uh, IT, where everything's kind of consolidated to the cloud and the data center, you know, this, this sort of spread of digital assets at the edge combined with the 
you know, much fewer users needing access to that really required a need for a different approach. Mm. So, and that's where we came in. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And I'm, I mean, really dumbing it down for, for people that kind of aren't able to make the transition from IT remote access to OT remote access. What, what kind of real world examples uh, are there when someone would need Sona? Yeah. So what we've done is the way we've architected the solution is we don't really, we don't require um, agents to be put on the OT systems. And we also don't require agents or clients to put on the IT systems. So the, the ability to use requirements specifically around third-party tractor under access. So we see a lot of use cases around not only employees needing to be able to remotely access these critical systems, but the OEMs to be able to patch the systems, to be able to troubleshoot and operate those without having to go on site. It's very costly uh, for a lot of these OEMs, and I mean, I can throw a few out there like GE, Siemens, you know, Rockwell, Emerson, there's a ton of them, right? Um, and they need to be able to um, access their systems without seeing other OEM systems. And there has to be the ability to have site-level controls for the companies to be able to know what they're accessing, when they're accessing. So really having a lot more granular control and site-level controls because um, there's a big difference in, in terms of the safety around IT systems and OT. So you want to have those extra protections to be able to enable or disable remote operations or have the ability to have a weight lobby and then make sure that there's somebody at the, the control room, for instance, um, explicitly giving access if, if there's uh, safety considerations. So Yeah, yeah good stuff. And then your, I mean, your background's interesting because you you came from a, a sales and I mean specifically a federal tech sales background. So, what what was your story from kind of federal technology sales to now being a, a founder and CEO of an OT specific security company? Yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting uh, transition. I'm not going to say got into OT by accident, but it sort of was right. Um, I, yeah, I have a lot of experience in cybersecurity, um, actually early on in engineering, uh, but then in, in sales and business development, you know, worked for a number of companies like FireEye and Veronis um, that were solving various problems, you know, uh, on the cybersecurity side. So uh, I had gone to work for a company that had provided more of kind of a, a virtual mobile infrastructure, um, a company called Hypori that's doing a lot of work in DoD today. And uh, one of the things that I learned from that experience is that, you know, VDI uh, and, and VMI or virtual mobile infrastructure a lot of times requires a lot of infrastructure. And so uh, one of the thoughts I had was, how, you know, making it simpler while I was there. And uh, I teamed up with, uh, you know, folks that I had met from uh, FireEye. And uh, we started exploring ways of kind of having less infrastructure, but still providing that ability to isolate the protocols on the and not expose those and, and to provide no data in transit, you know, to the endpoint or to the remote users uh, device. So uh, that was the beginning. And, and we kind of this, the, actually the idea came from working with tactical units within DOD. Uh, when we when we launched our, our MVP or really our beta, um, you know, we were having various folks test it 
And we found that uh, in OT, specifically in natural gas distribution, uh, there was an immediate need. Um, there was uh, complexity, uh, there was a lack of security, and there was just um, a lack of resources to be able to manage complex infrastructure for providing technician access to SCADA applications and HMIs and things like that in the OT environment. So we quickly found that there was a lot of demand there very early and kind of early betas. And, and uh, from that moment, and this was really in late 2017, you know, we decided to focus in on, on OT and, and we essentially built, built this for OT uh, with our first customer through the MVP you know, version two, version three, and so forth. And from there, uh, we were uh, fortunate enough to sign a, an OEM agreement with uh, GE. And uh, now we're deployed in, and, and that was for power generation initially. We've also done some work with them in, in, in renewables. Uh, but that, you know, launched us internationally. So we're deployed in more than 30 countries today. Uh, which is which is exciting, and uh, you know we're working with some of the other OEMs as well now too. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, as a as an early stage firm, especially when the GE um, agreement came off, that must have been a, a, a kind of a, a sigh of relief and a well, a lot of work ahead. But kind of the, the yeah. realization, right? We've we we're seriously onto something now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it it really um, helped us get to our funding round, um, specifically our, our Series A round. We did have some seed funding uh, initially, but then once we started, uh, you know, getting orders from GE, you know, we were able to um, expand the company in sales and engineering, mm. you know, to support not only GE, but, uh, you know, direct customers and other uh, strategic partnerships that we were developing. Yeah, so. awesome. And when when it came to the, the expansion and, and thinking, right, we've now got the cash to, to grow and to, to build this, was it, was it naturally clear where you needed to build and what teams you needed to invest in? Or was that a bit of trial and error uh, during the process? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's all there's always hindsight's always 2020, right? So there's always a little bit of a uh, little bit of trial and error. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we built um, the solution, you know, with a very lean engineering team. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we recognized as we were growing the technology in the company that we were seeing the, the potential to be part of this OT enterprise or sort of within the ITOT enterprise and converged. Mm -hmm. So over the last year, we've, we've really spent a lot of, a lot more effort and we've invested heavier in engineering uh, to make sure that we can support the requirements for integration with uh, the ITOT uh, world and uh, that that's that's been also a big game changer for us. So we've landed some very large uh, customers, you know, by really listening and and making sure that we could support uh, support large enterprise. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And you you mentioned the, the the large enterprise maritime deal that's recently come off. So that that's that's fantastic. What what can you say about about that? Well, I, I think it's, yeah, that's very exciting. So I, in, in maritime, and I think this is across the board, we have customers in energy, oil and gas manufacturing and so forth now, but yeah, that particular deal is interesting because it is this idea of vendor agnostic remote operations, particularly in maritime, it's very expensive 
to send uh, you know an OEM technical uh, engineer uh, technician or engineer to a ship, um, especially if it's underway uh, or even if it's in port, right? It's sometimes very difficult to get that. So there's usually a, a, a day on each end of that of travel, <laughs> which they're being charged for, plus the day troubleshooting. So that's a very expensive proposition to get uh, somebody to a site. And you know, what we've seen, and not only in maritime, but in, in other verticals, is somewhere between 80 and 95% of all um, troubleshooting can be done remotely. So um, with industrial control systems, so that that really reduces the cost and, you know, obviously the operational efficiencies of being able to operate that. So what, what um, you know, we've put a platform in that we, you know, the maritime company calls vendor agnostic uh, remote operations. And that allows all of the OEMs, whether it's the engine control room, the water and wastewater treatment uh, systems, the navigation systems, to be able to connect and patch and troubleshoot their systems, whether the, the ship is underway over SATCOM or in port, uh, where there might be broadband connectivity. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been, uh, I, I think, a game changer. Also provides, uh, you know, a level of assurance and, um, you know, a reduction of risk to be able to have the forensics and the information about things that are uh, happening and to go back and troubleshoot things if there was, you know, a mistake made. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we implement protocol isolation. We don't expose the protocols on the ship, so that reduces the attack surface. Um, you know, I would say eliminate, but you know, drastically reduces the risk of ransomware and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, I mean, maritime is clearly going to be a, a big. A big area for you and now you've got a, a pretty incredible use case to to, to to really hunt within that industry as well how bearing in mind that's a pretty major major deal for you guys in the stage that you're at at the moment how, how did it come about yeah so i think we um you know we were able through our um sales and marketing efforts to find out about the project and then we really spent a lot of time listening to the customer and it was a large project not just with us but there was sort of a it was a change in philosophy and i think a lot of this has to do with um you know having better um risk management and governance over what the oems were doing we see this across not just maritime but manufacturing other industries where a lot of these oems have a lot of control over their um their systems right within within these companies and i think there there's uh, a need now and um i think a lot of companies are realizing that hey i think we've handed over all the keys and you know we need we need a key here too to be able to turn things off or turn things on or or, or let these oems know you know hey this is when you can access your systems and when you can't and and have those have that additional governance and, and risk management, right? Because obviously with all the problems and ransomware and so forth, you know, third-party access is, is a big uh, a big issue, right? And, and being able to, you know, cause that can expose some of these companies to um, ransomware or vulnerabilities in their OEM systems that they, they don't know about, right? If they don't have that uh, oversight. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And you you said something interesting about originally building the products with a very lean engineering team. And um, 
correct me if I'm wrong about you being kind of non-technical having come from the sales kind of background um mm. but what what was your role in the very beginning as a as a kind of non-technical founder that wasn't engineering and developing the product kind of what did you do and then what did you utilize from other members of the team really early on well yeah very early on it was you know we were building the mvp it was essentially a couple of developers and me right so um i was obviously doing all all the, the sales all the marketing you know writing the data sheets the product um you know, given the demos. So I, I kind of wore a lot of hats, right? You know, figure out who who we were going to talk to, where, where were we going to target? So the strategy, uh, the sales execution, the sales engineering, um, the installation <laughs> at a customer site, uh, you know, all of that, right? Uh, as well as marketing. So uh, I, you know, my career kind of spans over 20 years. I started out in network and security operations on the technical side. I was a sales engineer before I got into sales and business development. I actually did strategic marketing as well for a while. So that kind of, uh, all of that experience helped, I think, in the early stage because I could kind of, you know, not that I would be great at each one of those, but I was <laughs> passable enough to, you know, you know, do the, do those jobs, yeah, early on, so. Yeah. And now being, what, kind of 30-ish people? how 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 kind of in the trenches are you now compared to back then yeah it's a lot different now i mean we we have a we have a great team uh you know we have a, a great vp of engineering that's setting it up we have you know technical leadership in the field uh you know a vp of sales that has done this before for other you know large companies like dark trace and and awake security uh you know and we're, we also have very strong marketing and you know, great sales and marketing automation engine, not to say that, uh, you know, I, I I have to get involved in a lot of things in terms of, um, you know, when we're going into new markets, it's always good for me to go in to show, you know, hey, I'm, I'm committed to this region. So, you know, I'll travel and those types of occasions, uh, you know, and I'll go to different events. Obviously, we're going through our, our SOC 2 compliance right now. So I have to you know, kind of read a lot of stuff <laughs> and approve it. <laughs> so, uh, and make sure, you know, sort of our back office op operations are are running smoothly and securely. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's I'm probably more operational now uh, combined with a little bit of sales. <laughs> and obviously there's always raising money. That's the number one thing, right? So <laughs> always out there, always looking for investors or, you know, strategics and you know yeah. what's the next step in the funding right so for sure what um what bits do you miss about those kind of really early i'm in the trenches i'm doing everything i'm in front of every single customer because i mean we're 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 at a much earlier stage right in terms of age of our business and also headcount but when when we got to nine people i kind of stepped away and was doing a lot more operational bits um and then there were just clear parts I just really missed doing. It was like I missed being a winning business, filling filling roles, and actually just being heavily heavily involved with the the sales aspect. Um, so what? Yeah, from from that perspective, now you you've grown. What what do you miss? Uh, yeah, I miss going. And and look, I I still go and meet with customers, right? Especially our larger customers. I think it's it it's good for me to get out there and do that. Um, 
you know, I, I guess, you know, I always really like sales engineering. So believe it or not, I kind of miss giving the demos every day. Um, although, you know, I still do it here and there. I just, it's just not that often. Right. So I think, uh, you know, giving the demo and seeing how the customer um, resonates with certain features and then, you know, really kind of digging in and seeing what they're, what's compelling to them, where their problems lie and, and all that. So that kind of, that sort of early stage process, sort of the, the top of funnel, getting to that proof of concept and getting that out there. Those are sort of the things I probably like the most. Um, so yeah, I would say I missed that, that, that sort of initial top to middle of funnel engagement. Yeah. 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 Well, it's what drives the business. So <laughs> yep. I try to do some of it still. And yeah. you, you, you mentioned about the, 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 the fundraising just being a, a constant ongoing process. And uh, I mean, especially in the climate at the moment, it's, uh, obviously a, a tough market to be um it's getting a bit better but a tough market to be having those funding conversations and and uh and and the types of uh, terms vcs are willing to offer um but you you i mean you've got a crack team of uh kind of a round investors so you had data tribe next era and was it t tfx tfx couple yeah yeah and so when you came to to choosing those three um what what was the thought process behind those three in particular and were they standalone beneficial or was it a case of the three of them together kind of created the team that you were looking for uh no actually they kind of initially we had had conversations with data tribe and is in maryland right they're right up the, mm -hmm. the road from our headquarters so we had had conversations early on we actually uh, got involved in them a little later than some of the early seed stage uh, companies. So we we um, you know we did the Series A with their um, what they call DTO or Data Tribe Opportunities Fund. Uh, so yeah, that was um, I think there was just some synergy there in the fact that they were an early investor in Dragos, right up the street from us, and and there's synergy with Dragos, right? For us, um, complementary to what they do. So I. You know, they were looking. They were very focused on cybersecurity and and uh, and OT as well. So there was a natural fit there. Uh, in terms of the others, um, you know, we have um, you know veterans in 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 the uh, in our company, and TFX likes to um, back veteran founded or you know you know veteran um, you know managed <laughs> in certain cases uh, companies. And so TFX kind of came along with that. Um, Next era, you know, we were very fortunate. Um, you know, we had some introductions there. We were looking for a strategic, right? So we had talked with mm -hmm. technology-specific, um, complementary technology VCs. We had talked with, you know, industry-specific, you know, I mean, even in manufacturing, you know, VCs. But we found that our early wins within the energy space uh, and, you know, we've had wins in renewables as well as traditional energy. And I think that aligned really well with what Nextera, um, you know, was looking for. And, and obviously, um, you know, we're working with them now to help them, you know, more simply and uh, operate their, uh, their assets, you know, um, whether it's traditional energy, power gen or renewable assets, right? Yeah. Transmission, power gen, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're obviously one of the most desirable kind of CVCs for for any uh, any OT or industrial security focused vendors. So yeah, you've got a, a good um a good good team there. Um, and I, I understand you're trying to kind of or, or, or are kind of breaking into the federal space as well, where there's naturally a big critical infrastructure piece and a lot of a lot of investment yeah. from the, the the infrastructure bill happening in that space um mm. how does that when you're actually selling into it beyond things like having fed ramp and and the, the regulations that go there how, how does it differ selling into the the fed space compared to the the enterprise and the commercial space yeah well uh you know i i have uh a lot of experience selling into federal. So I think, first yeah. of all, it takes, it takes patience and it also takes a recognition that uh, you don't want to invest all at once in federal. You want to pick, kind of pick your paddles early and, and get a mm-hmm. kind of a beachhead. And then, and then, then you start investing after you get that, that first account, but you don't, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I've seen a lot of technology companies that you know, they see the big deals in fed and they invest heavy without, understanding yeah there are things like fed ramp if you're in the if you're doing cloud and that's a very expensive proposition uh, but there's also you know getting in dod for instance going through the process of getting a uh, an authority to operate called an ato and and making sure you're if you're using crypto that it's fips 140-2 validated and all of those those things and so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of compliance in fed it's it the sales cycles are long but the deals can be very lucrative, right? So, um, you know, I've taken I've taken a measured approach just because I understand uh, the challenge of selling into the federal market. Uh, but you know, we have a few Fed customers. Um, you know, we have a very large Fed customer that we're uh, getting ready to roll out here in the next uh, literally two weeks. So that's that's very exciting, and um, yeah, I think we'll probably uh, be more strategic uh, next year. Uh, we will be more strategic with Fed next year and that, uh, you know, we'll start expanding from from our initial accounts. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've helped a few, well, we're helping some other, well, one other OT security vendor at the moment, get their, get their FedRAMP certification and their FIPS 140. And yeah. uh, they're, they're tough to staff. Let, let alone let alone then do the selling afterwards they're tough to find the staff for those projects just to get compliant so it's uh it's a challenge yeah yeah certainly yeah absolutely and i mean we're what coming up to the very end of q3 2023 uh, as we're recording this so what what have people got to, to look out for and, and be excited about sona for q4 and then going into 2024 yeah, so we're uh, we're releasing um, our a major version of our we're very excited about. Um, we kind of have a code name Pericles internally, so sharing that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that'll be coming that'll be coming out next month. Um, it's it's exciting because we're really um, we've really uh, looked at the space and we want to make sure that this platform. Is, is a lot more flexible and, and sort of deployment options and ease of deployment, um, as well as integration. So we, we see um, a lot more integrations. Uh, you know, we've done integrations with Nozomi and, and a few others, uh, but we're gonna, we wanna expand that uh, to really, you know, look at other 
uh, technologies, whether in the OT space or in some cases in the IT space, mm-hmm. and uh, and make sure that we're we're well aligned uh, strategically in in our in our go to market with yeah. with other technologies. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. OT yeah. has a. Uh, Robin Robin Bertier from Network Perception was was talking about it the the kind of the the better together and more secure together kind of mindset that OT the OT industry has and it's uh, I don't know it's a bit it's a bit rare it's uh, you you get it in certain areas of cyber of IT security mm-hmm. but it's much more kind of headbutting each other in that space than it is in OT where where people do come together so it's good to see yeah. 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 Robin, you know, he's doing great stuff over there at Network Perception. I know him. And, you know, we, I kind of look at us as kind of together, we're, we're providing that zero trust. We're doing it in the user context, access context. He's doing it really more on the, on the segmentation, the network side. So yeah, I think, you know, uh, we're very, very complimentary in providing that, you know, defense in depth and layered approach. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Bill, it's been a, an absolute pleasure having you on. So thanks for thanks for making the time and, and giving the audience a view on Zona. And yeah, really excited to see what a, what you've got installed for H2, the, the new release. Yeah, very exciting. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode of Cyberbytes, the podcast. Please give it a thumbs up, subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to explore being a guest or how Aspiron Search can help you build high-performing security and go-to-market teams, then get in touch on LinkedIn or info at aspironsearch.com.